Right, here we go. I am Ray with another podcast episode. Sunday again. Weather report. What have we got? Where are we? It's uh, 10 to 8 in the morning. No, it's not. That's my GMT clock. It's 10 to 9. I've got a GMT clock on the wall above my radios because when I listen to shortwave stations from all around the world, they all list their times, their schedules and the rest of it in GMT. Well, it's not called GMT now, isn't it? It's Greenwich Mean Time. I don't think people like that. (laughs) I don't know why. They don't like to think that Greenwich in London is the centre of all time. They like to think of other... I don't know. Anyway, we won't go down that road. That's political. What is it now? It's Universal Time Clock, I believe they call it. UTC. Anyway, I'm sticking to to GMT. (laughs) I'm sticking to GMT, Greenwich, Great Britain. Why do we call it the UK now? It was always Britain or Great Britain. Now it's just the UK. Anyway, that's another thing I'm going off on. I've got, what was I doing? I've got magazines here, the old magazines to read to you. How about this? Look, 200 years ago, the sewage disposal system in Worthing, can you believe this? It consisted of wooden troughs. (laughs) Hope you're not having your breakfast or your dinner. Uh, Along which sewage was sluiced. That's a funny word, isn't it? Through the streets and onto the beach. So kind of wooden troughs all joined up, I suppose, and all went down and piled up on the beach. And it says here, stinking effluent piled on the sands, waiting for the incoming tide to wash it away. Right, There's a whole article. I'm not going to read any more of that because... (laughs) What's this? Last summer, blah, blah, blah. No, forget that. Where was I? Yeah, yesterday we went to Arundel. Do you know Arundel in West Sussex? Or you know of it? I must remember that... We've got listeners all around the world. And when I talk of local places or or stuff to do with Britain, UK, whichever way you want to call it, I have to remember that people all around the world are listening. New Zealand, Australia, Canada, South America, America, everywhere. And it's no good me saying, as I did, was it the other week, talking about the village green. People are saying, what's the village green? (laughs) Is that where you park cars? Who is it? Someone said, is that, uh, is that a pond? I don't know why they thought it was a pond, but I did explain that. It's an expanse of grass, isn't it, in the middle of the village. But I do have to try to remember that people all around the world are listening to this. So when I talk about the wetlands at Arundel, wetlands, <laughs> I'm talking about an area, this is probably the same all around the world, an area of land, a huge expanse of land. A lot of it is marsh. A lot of it is, is just water with islands, it were well, wet lands, as it says. And this place near Arundel, well, it's in Arundel. We went there yesterday for the first time ever, and the weather was fantastic. It really was. We went on a little boat, which goes all around these sort of waterways, and you can see, what have they got? Canadian geese, and oh, I can't, I'm not very good at naming all the different birds, but loads of ducks. What a fantastic day out it was. Then we had lunch by Swanbourne Lake in Arundel. I was reading a, a TripAdvisor. I tried to do a TripAdvisor thing. So I went to TripAdvisor and I found the, the wetlands and I was saying, fantastic place, we enjoyed it. I like this, I like that. Then when you get to the end, you have to give your email address, obviously, and your name and whatever. And I did all that. And then it said, you've logged in before. Do you want to log in again? Well, I don't know if I've logged in before. If I did, I can't remember what email I used. So I gave up in the end. That's the trouble with these things, isn't it? You get to the end, then it wants a load of information. Then it says, well, you've done all this before. Oh, anyway, I couldn't be bothered with all that. I might have another look at it because I want to give them a really positive comment on, on the whole place. It was fantastic. And we'll certainly be going there again. Our, our daughter, what it was, got us a yearly membership thing for our birth. It's our sort of twin birthday, is it? My, mine and Trish's birthdays are about a week apart. So we had this joint uh, membership thing for a year so we'll certainly be going there again and the boat it was an electric boat brilliant I mean of course obviously you can't have you know motor boats whizzing around the place because there were nests we saw little little cygnets and what are they what are the ducklings oh, I don't know tiny chicks and things and there were nests so obviously you can't have a motor boat with you know churning up all the water and creating a huge wake But what a place. If ever you're near or in Arundel in West Sussex, down on the south coast of the UK, go to the wetlands. It's certainly worth a visit. 
and Swanbourne Lake. Someone put on TripAdvisor, that's what I was going to say about Swanbourne Lake, that it used to be a lovely walk. It is. It's a lovely walk right around this huge lake. And he said, now it's a bit whiffy. It's just a dog's toilet. And he was saying on his comment, unfortunately, you have to look down at the path all the time. You can't look up. You don't look up and enjoy the view, the lake, the wildlife, because you're walking something. I haven't started this podcast off very well, have I? Talking about, <laughs> talking about sewage in Worthing, going down to the sea in wooden troughs along the streets. And now the dogs. Anyway, um, right. Have I done the weather? Yeah, beautiful day yesterday. A little bit cooler today few clouds but uh, the temperature I've just been out of the garden to feed the squirrels temperature at the moment is about 12 that's not too bad now this episode that I should get down to probably in a minute when I finish rambling nonsense this episode is all about my hometown Worthing West Sussex down on the south coast several people over the years have emailed me and said what's your hometown like how long have you lived there What's the seafront like? It's, I don't like the beach. I've probably said that before. I don't like the sea. But we do have a pier. Um, I don't know how long the pier is. I should know. What's the longest pier? It's about a mile long. Is that South End Pier? About a mile long, isn't it? I don't think I've been there. But yes, we do have a pier, which in fact I have been on. I went on uh, about a year ago. I'll tell you why I was on the pier. I never go to the beach because I don't like it. I prefer the woods. But I did go on the pier because my dentist... <laughs> Talk about digress. My dentist is down on the seafront. Well, not on the beach, you know, he's in a building. <laughs> he hasn't got a tent on the beach. Yeah, a beach hut. A beach hut with a notice. Put teeth pulled here. Half a crown ago. So I was very early. I don't know why. I got there an hour early. I read the time. I went in and said, hello. I got the appointment or whatever. She said, well, it's another hour. Oh, is it really? Oh, for goodness sake. So I went on the pier. Walked right to the end and back, which was quite nice, actually. A bit breezy, but it was quite nice. few people fishing. I don't know whether they catch anything there. I don't know what fish you'd get locally. Mackerel, is it, or something? I don't know. But it's rather nice walking out on the pier because you can look at the whole the whole town from out, you know, basically out at sea. And, of course, we've got a load of... Um, they're not called windmills, are they? What are they called? You know, the, the windmill thing, generator, the wind farm or whatever it is. I think they call it a wind farm. So there's loads of those, you know, the big blades going round, but they're miles out at sea. Well, not miles. They're quite a long way. I think they do boat trips from Shoreham, is it? Or Brighton? Yeah, Shoreham. They do boat trips out to see them. I would like to go and have a look and you know, do a few videos, take some pictures. But I, I can't swim. Not that, I mean, they don't want you to swim out there, obviously. They're not, <laughs> they don't say, there's your wetsuit, off you go, swim out to the windmills. But I don't like boats. I don't like boats, probably because I can't swim. I don't know what it is. Uh, the family, we used to have a speedboat. I'm going back now a few years. We had a speedboat. And my brother's, uh, yeah, my brother and my brother-in-law, three of us went out in the speedboat. And we stopped quite a way out. And my brother, he said, oh, I'm going to dive in and have a swim. And I looked down and there's seaweed, like, is it kelp or something? Or like fingers all waving just below the surface. And I said, you don't know what's down there. And he was about to dive in and he looked at me and he said, well, it's only seaweed. I said, yeah, but what if it grabs your foot and pulls you down? And he said, well, it's not, it's not alive, you know, it's not a monster. And I said, yeah, but you don't know what's down there. Anyway, do you know what? He didn't go in. He said, oh, you've put me off now. I'm not going in for a swim. I just didn't like it. It was quite deep where we were. Uh, we had a rope. I think, yeah, there was a little anchor. Or I don't know why we had an anchor. But uh, we dropped that down and it was, I forget how deep, but it was quite deep. I just don't like deep water. You know, I, I wonder what's down there waiting to grab you and pull you under. <laughs> anyway, what was all that about? That was about the dentist. No, it wasn't. It was about the pier. I know a lot of places have piers. There's uh, Isle of Wight. There's a pier. Is it Shanklin? You know, my, I'm awful at remembering things. We're off to the Isle of Wight next month. We're going there for a week. We're taking mother-in-law and her friend as we did last year. So I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to Osborne House. We're not doing Shanklin, Chine or Robin Hill because that's all children's stuff. Oh, the, the grandchildren, they're too old now. They don't want to come with us. I mean, they're teenage girls. Robin Hill, no, 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 we don't want to go there. It's for kids. We're adults now. Yeah, right, at 14, we're adults. <laughs> 
But I do love the Isle of Wight. If you're ever down, if you're ever going to the wetlands at Arundel, nip over to the Isle of Wight and have a look while you're here. It's really nice. I didn't mean Shanklin Chine. That's nice. I meant Black Gang Chine for kids. Yeah, there's Robin Hill and Black Gang Chine, Amazon World, all for kids. So we're not going there. Shanklin Chine is fantastic. It's pretty steep. If you can't, if you're getting on a bit and you've got bad hips or whatever, you can't walk too well. It's not good. But you walk down from the top, right the way down to the beach, through the woods, and there's a, a stream going down. Really nice. It, oh, it's a fantastic place. Shame I can't show you pictures. I'll have to perhaps put a few pictures on um, on Facebook. No, no, I can't do that. So back to Worthing. Well, so far we've, we've talked about the Isle of Wight, <laughs> South End, and it's supposed to be about Worthing. Now, Worthing, I've lived here since I was five years old. Before that, I was born in Surrey. Don't you know? It's rather posh up there. What? What? We moved to Sompting, which is near Lansing, when I was 18 months old. Then we moved to Worthing. This is all boring, isn't it? Worthing. Right. There used to be, talking of village greens, there was a, a lovely expanse of grass that they met. They built a whole housing estate and called it Goring Green. I may have mentioned this before. Forgive me if I have. It's old age. My brain doesn't work. And it was lovely. Goring Green. In fact, we bought our first house there. Do you know, it was £9,400 back in 1975. And it was great. It was nice. You know, we had struggled with the mortgage, of course. But where did we get the deposit? Mother and father-in-law gave us 600 quid deposit. My parents gave us a few hundred quid. The deposit was 600 And that's how we got onto the kind of the ladder, the housing ladder. And they were saying on the radio this morning, People these days, youngsters, they just can't, they can't afford rent. They can't afford mortgages. Rents are now, well, I think they always have been higher. Than, no, they haven't been higher than mortgages, have they? Rents used to be cheaper. I knew a few people in Worthing that they got married and they rented and the rents were pretty cheap. But they seem to be quite horrendous now. So this Goring Green, what did they do? They built houses all over the green. Well, that was the end of that. It's still called Goring Green, but it's that typical. And there was another huge area though this was a council estate maybridge i don't know whether you know it anyone locally or if you know it the avenue at maybridge the avenue there was a huge oval uh, of grassland a field uh you know all mown properly by the council well, the kids all played there they loved it so what did they do they built a load of prefab type houses all over it and there was another little green which is now a i don't know a check-in center or something. i don't know what it is I haven't been out that way for a while, but we seem to be losing all our green spaces. As I said the other day, this is why I don't like the idea of them building between a village and a town. You get a bit of spare land, a bit of green land. They go and build houses all over it. The village is just eaten up by the town. It's lost its identity. That's a shame. But of course, it's happening more and more. I remember as a kid, they were all over the back of, you know, Limbrick? Have a look on the map, Limbrick Lane, that's where the chip shop was. I, you know, I think it's still there, the chip shop, Limbrick Lane. When I was a kid, I only lived a quarter of a mile, if that, from the chip shop. And I go down, go down there in the evening, summer evening, we've been over the woods or whatever, and go into the chip shop with sixpenny piece. Do you remember sixpence? Tanner's worth of chips, please, mister. <laughs> and you get your chips in a newspaper. Brilliant. Salt and vinegar all over them. Far too much salt. I mean, the things back then, we didn't cut down on salt. We just piled it on. <laughs> These days, I don't have salt on anything because they say it's bad for you. But the vinegar all leaking through the newspaper, you know, running down your, your top and your jeans <laughs> as you walk home eating chips. And of course, sixpence worth of chips, a tanner's worth, you got a load of them. These days, you can have a bag of chips, yeah, 15 pounds. What? Well, I've only got six chips in, in a polystyrene pot. Yeah, that's all you get. <laughs> we had lunch out the other day and that was, what did I have? Quiche, homemade quiche, cheese and tomato quiche with chips. I like chips. That's why, that's why I'm overweight. And I had a little tub of chips. I, do you know, I reckon they count them. I do. I, I reckon they count the chips. Anyway, they were very nice. It was an excellent meal, but it's just that I like a few more chips than that. So they built on the on the uh, the green. They built all over the place. They're trying to build houses 
Now, here's another thing. Here's the thing. There we are. Here's the thing. Where you get a block of houses, you know, like a square of houses, all the back gardens meet. I'm explaining this for people abroad because uh, I don't know where they have the same sort of setup. So you've got a whole square of houses with the roads all round. All the back gardens meet in the middle. Now, there are certain places in the town where the back gardens are very wide and very long. And what people have done, where there's an entrance, in fact, there's one place, they knocked a house down and made the entrance to the to the back garden. But no, they didn't knock it down. They, they widened, I forget what they did. And a couple of people sold half their back garden. I haven't got the details, but I do remember this. They sold their back garden and there's a couple of bungalows been built there. And the entrance is kind of between the houses in one of the roads to get through to the, the back of all the houses where they plonk these bungalows. Now, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a bit daft myself, squeezing bungalows in like that. I mean, you've got to make sure that you can get a fire engine in there, an ambulance or whatever. You know, you can't hide, I don't know. Hiding bungalows away like that, it just seems rather silly to me. And of course, the people in the bungalows, when they look around, they stand in their tiny garden, because that's all they've got left there. All they can see is the back of everyone's houses all surrounding them. You know, all the bedroom windows and all, everyone else's back garden, all looking at them. Seems a bit daft to me. One more place on the Isle of Wight, if you've got kids and you go into the island, Tupnell's Farm. Look that up on the internet. Tupnell's Farm, fantastic place. But we can't take mother-in-law and her friend there because it is for children. I mean, even though it's for kids, it's interesting for adults, but not uh, older people. Coming back to Worthing again, there's a huge block of flats, a massive, tallest building in Worthing, I believe, or it used to be. And it was built on a whole square, a whole patch of roads all round, and there was a massive house there. And I've seen, I, I remember the house when I was a kid, but I've seen photos of it. And it was a beautiful house. The trouble is, any big houses, they knocked them down and built blocks of flats, which you know, are ugly. Forgive me if you live in a block of flats, but frankly, they are ugly, aren't they? Even if you live in a block, I'm sure you'll agree from you know, a few hundred yards away, if you look at it, it's ugly. There's nothing nice about it at all. So they've knocked down all the lovely big old houses and built flats. Any large houses that are left, well, not all of them, but a lot of them, they've made into flats or bedsits, you know, bed-sitting room. Again, for the people abroad, a bed-sitting room is just one room. You've got a bed, uh, a wardrobe, a little sink, a little cooker, usually a shared toilet out on the, the landing because it was a house. And basically what they do is turn each room into a bed sitting room. So you've got your lock on your door, main front door, you go in or upstairs and all the rooms are little little dwellings. They're quite good actually. I've known several people that have lived in them. They're quite good. You know, if it's just you on your own, if you're young. In fact, when I first left home, when I was, I was 16 and I thought I'm going to get a bed sit down the town, which I did. And it was £1.30. No, no, it wasn't that £1.30. It was £1.10 shillings a week, 30 bob a week. That's £1.50 in modern money. £1.50 a week. <laughs> and that included, I think that included everything, electricity, or did we have a slot meet? I can't remember. But I moved in there on my own. In fact, I had a couple of bedsits and it was all right, but I get in from work and I think, well, there's nothing to eat. You know, where's my meal? <laughs> Dinner's not on the table. And then I sort of go to the little wardrobe I had. Oh, I've run out of shirts. Oh, they're all dirty. I, I've got to go to the laundrette. So I moved back home. I thought, I've had enough of this. I moved back home. <laughs> oh dear. It was good fun in some respects because I was in the town. So you could go clubbing or whatever. And then, you know, perhaps take a girl back and you've, you know, got your bed sit. But uh, I think that was the only advantage. The rest of it was horrible. So a lot of the big houses, there was another huge house. I went in there. They were knocking it down. I'm going back now about 30 years. They were knocking it down. And one evening, I was just driving past and I, I saw that the, the fencing was all open, you know, the builder's type wire fencing. So I thought, I'll go and have a look. And I went in there. Fantastic. Huge stairway. Oh, staircase. What a place. Lovely. What a shame to knock it down. You know, it really, I don't know, it's, it's criminal, really. But I suppose 
the modern day family, what is it, 2.4 children? I never known anyone actually to have 2.4 children. I don't know how they do that. How can you have two and a half kids? <laughs> but who wants a house like that? Yeah, you know, who wants perhaps a, a sort of eight or ten bedroom house with you know three reception rooms and a kitchen and a scullery and servants' quarters in the attic? No one wants that, do they? I mean, I would like that myself. I'd love that because I'd fill one room full of old radios. I'd fill another room with engines, <laughs> stationary engines. I could have a steam engine room. I could have a diesel generator, couldn't I? Perhaps out on the patio. No, even in, inside. Yeah, in the library or the study, a diesel generator. Oh, what fun. So I suppose that's what it is. People don't want big houses anymore. <clears throat> well, only people like me, only strange people. <laughs> Abnormal people. There we are. There used to be a shop in the town when I was a kid. Uh, it was called the Swap Shop. Who remembers the Swap Shop? And what it was, was all children's stuff, you know, marbles, dinky toys, cars, all, all kids stuff, kids toys, basically. And you could go in there and you could either buy like a bag of marbles or swap them for something. Well, I was in the Swap Shop one day. I, I, took a, I had a load of marbles that I got from some kid at school. And I went in the Swap Shop and I said, how much you give me for these, mister? <laughs> I don't think I spoke like that. I didn't call people mister. And I don't know, he said something like a shilling. And I thought, well, that's, that's no good, a shilling. Then he said, uh, or do you, do you want to swap it for something? He said, I've just had this come in. And he showed me this counter thing. As a sort of counter that, you know, someone would stand outside a club or a venue and they'd go click, 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 counting people going in or out. And the little digits would come up. A mechanical thing, you know, obviously in the old days, it wasn't electronic. And he said, I'll swap this if you like. And I thought, oh, I'll have that. I like the look of that. I got bored with it. After a week, you know, you get bored with it as a kid. I counted this. I counted how many birds I could see. I used to lay in bed looking out the window in the morning. And I count the bird. There goes a blackbird, click. Oh, look, seagull, click. Of course, that soon got boring. So I took it to school <laughs> one day. And I was showing the kids. And this kid said, oh, I'll give you one and six for it. I've got one and sixpence. And I said, no, no, I, I think I'll keep it. And this other one, I'll give you two bob for it. Anyway, this other chap, he said, I've got half a crown. He showed me half a crown there, two and six is yours. So I took that, I got two and sixpence for it. And that was a, a week's dinner money. Two and sixpence, half a crown piece. That was the, a week's dinner money. I mean, not that I paid that, my parents did, but I'm just putting it into perspective. I don't know how many beers, how many pints of beer you could get for two and six. Probably quite a few back then. But at that age, I didn't drink beer. <laughs> I was quite surprised because I didn't think the, the chap in the, the swap shop, I, I thought he would have known that it was, a, a, you know, as far as boys were concerned, sort of boys of 10, 11, 12 years old, that was worth having. I thought he would have known that. I didn't think he'd give that to me for the bag of marbles. But there we are, he did. So that's the swap shop. I think it was in North Street. North Street. Now, they pulled all the, here we go. They pulled all the shops down there. And there were some houses. They pulled all that lot down. They built something else. I don't know what's there now. I, I, I just don't go into town. I looked on Google Maps the other day. Um, I was looking to see where Trisha was. She'd gone down the town. In fact, she's down the town now. In fact, she's always down the town. And I looked on Google, uh, not Google Maps, find my friend. You know, you can see where people are. She can check up on me if I go out, make sure I'm not in the pub. <laughs> no, I don't do pubs anymore. And I was just seeing where she was. And I noticed on Google, uh, I actually then went to Google Maps, and I noticed that all these eatery-type places, coffee places and cafes and restaurants, there are dozens, hundreds of them. Now, Worthing, like any other town in Britain, I suppose, Worthing in the old days, there was Lyons, Joe Lyons Corner House. You won't remember that unless you're ancient. I remember it as a kid. I was first went in there when I was about five years old with my grandmother. Uh, I remember having chips in a, a kidney-shaped dish and the waitresses had like little hats and you know, they looked like French maids or whatever. And uh, they had big pot plants, with jardiniers and stuff, whatever it's called. But there weren't all these other places, all these eateries. Now in town, I mean, in the old days, it was all shops. It was ironmongers and greengrocers and butchers and everything like that. Now in town, it's either 
In fact, I think most of the estate agents have gone. You know, the what do you call them in America? The um, land agents, what do you call them? I can't remember. But most of the estate, real estate, that's it. They've gone. Uh, the banks have gone. There used to be a lot of banks. You could pop in and check your account, withdraw money or put money in. They've all gone. All it is now is charity shops and coffee shops. And I just, what really brought it home was looking on Google Maps. Do that. Go, go to the centre of any sort of average town in Britain on Google Maps and you'll see. Was it little knives and forks, aren't they, to donate that it's an eating type place? Have a look on Google Maps. It's incredible. It's, it seems to be every other, what was a shop, every other shop is now a, a calf or something. When I lived not far from the chip shop, there was Limbrick shops, but there was also... The, the Strand, which is, was a Strand Parade, which was just, uh, you could see Durrington Railway Station from there, if you want to look on the map, Durrington on sea. And why it's on sea, it's nowhere near the sea, it's a mile away. And we had the Strand shops, our house, or bungalow, was between the two, sort of quarter of a mile to Limbrick, quarter of a mile to the Strand. Now the Strand, the first shop was an off-licence. How many off-licences are there now? They've gone. The next shop was a toy shop. That was brilliant. Of course, when I was young, that, that was my, my place I'd head for, the toy shop. Next to that was a radio and TV shop where they did radio and TV repairs, sales, rentals, that sort of thing. What was that called? Broughton Radio. Who remembers Broughton Radio? Then there was the World Stores, which was, it wasn't self-service, but it was sort of the, the beginnings. I'm going back to the 50s here the beginnings of supermarket-style shop, where they sold a, a variety of things, anything from a cabbage to a, a bag of salt or sugar, you know, a variety of things. What was next to that? I think there was a lady's hairdresser. There was a dentist upstairs in the, the rooms above the shops. In, there were flats above the shops. There was a dentist up there. That was our dent oh, nightmare. Don't talk about dentists. There was a wool shop. So you could buy your balls of wool for knitting, knitting needles, patterns, or, or your cotton and sewing stuff. There was a post office, of course. All the post offices in town now in Worthing have gone. I think there's one, there's one out in Lindhurst Road. There's one still at Limbrick Shops. Uh, I think it might be one or two more, but I mean, there were loads. They've all gone. Even the main post office in town, that, the building still, I think it might be a sorting office. But you can't go in there. It's not a post office anymore for customers. In fact, the post office, now this is daft. You know, you've heard of WH Smith, you know, the news agent or whatever they are. Well, the post office is in there. I mean, how stupid is that? A post office in a, I don't know. I don't know. Bring back the old days. What else do we have? An ironmonger. This is in the Strand shops, the parade of shops. An ironmonger. And, you know, you wanted a few nails or screws, anything. He had it. A screwdriver, a garden fork, garden hose, weed killer, lawn moss killer or lawn feet, whatever. He had it in there. The ironmonger. That was brilliant. Uh, I've said the post office. There was a barber shop, uh, you know, for, for the chaps, a barber shop with his barber sign outside. Then there was the news agent where you could buy the newspapers, all the magazines. And that's where the paper boy was was based, you know, he'd go there in the mornings on his round, pick up all the papers. That was good. A pet, no, no, the pet shop came later. And there was a laundrette which came later as well. But that gives you an idea. Oh, there was a butcher, of course. Uh, Knight's butcher. In fact, he used to win awards. He still does for sausages, I believe. Knight's, the butcher's, is still there. So that's that. A greengrocer. There wasn't a, a fish, there wasn't a fish and chip shop because there was one at Limbrick. But there was a, there wasn't even a wet fish. You know, they call it wet fish when they just sort of sell dead fish. They're not cooked. <laughs> I don't know why they're wet. I suppose they are wet. They come out of the sea. But a, a chap used to turn up in his van in the pub car park, the Golden Line. Is it the Red Line or Golden Line? Golden Line, I think, the pub over the road from the shops. He used to come, I think, twice a week. And he, he was the fish man. And all the... Dare I use the word housewives? Well, yes, I can, because we're going back to those days, the 50s. The housewives with their headscarves on. Do you remember that? They used to wear headscarves, didn't they? And, and pinnies. And uh, housecoats came in. Who remembers housecoats? 
It was like a dressing gown, but it wasn't. It was a kind of very often a, a quilted kind of long coat thing. Coat's the wrong word. And it was for doing your housework in, to save your clothes getting dirty. And you'd have women over there with their, their wicker shopping baskets, their handbag, their headscarf on. I don't know why they all wore headscarves. They probably had curlers, rollers underneath the headscarf. <laughs> Nora Batty from uh, Last of the Summer Wine. She's always got curlers in rollers. And you buy your wet fish from the chap there. And he turned up, I think it was once, certainly once, if not twice a week. Over the road from the shops, there were more shops, there was a bank. There was, I believe there was a building society and a bike shop, a huge bicycle shop, Trues it was called, T-R-E-W-S, Trues. He sold bikes, new bikes, second-hand bikes. He did bike repairs. He sold all the spares. You wanted brake blocks or anything. As a kid, I was always in the bike shop. Take my bike over there. You know, I've got one of these, mister. No, I didn't say mister, did I? But I was always over the bike shop looking at the, the new bikes that he got for sale or even the decent second-hand ones and looking at them enviously. Oh, look at that. Imagine if I had that because I had my rickety old thing that I, I kept patching up, which was great fun. So that was the Strands Parade. I think the Limbrick shops, there was a petrol station there, a garage, um, the chip shop, of course, and another news agent, all this sort of thing, a butcher's and greengrocer, all the stuff like that. Of course, all these shops are still there, but now, well, I don't think there's, I think Knight's the butcher's there. There's no greengrocer, there's no ironmonger. Our local ironmonger down the corner. He was just down the corner from the end of our road and he's you know, everything. I'd be doing a job, oh dear, I need some I need some nails. I just nip down there. He's got every type of nail you could ever imagine, or or screws or anything. He'd sell garden hoses, garden hose fittings. I mean we've got all that now up at the, the retail park or whatever it's called. That horrible place that's always packed. You go there, you know, you can't buy sort of two or three screws, you have to buy three million. <laughs> well not quite three million. But that gives you an idea of the shops. And there were a lot of parades, as they were called, of, of shops all over the place. Uh, East Worthing, Salvington, uh, there's Goring Road shops. Um, that The yeah, Goring Road is quite a big area of shop. The Mulberry shops, they're called the Mulberry shops because the pub there is the Mulberry. I think that's why everyone knows it as the Mulberry shops. But these mini supermarkets have popped up. Tesco's, Sainsbury's, They've popped up these little express type supermarkets and who could survive running a little greengrocer shop when next door or just across the road is one of the, the big supermarket express type shops that you know they're selling stuff more than you're buying it in at. You'd be better off buying it from a supermarket than your wholesaler because it would be cheaper. In fact, I have known people do that. I knew a chap and um, he ran out of bread in his shop, it, he was just a, not a friend of mine, it was just somewhere near where I lived once. And um, I went in there for bread. He said, well, hang on a minute, I'll, I'll get some in. And his assistant disappeared and came back. She'd gone up the supermarket and bought it. And I said to him, I should have gone to the supermarket. And he said, yeah, but you're supporting my little shop, aren't you? Yes, I was. That's what I was trying to do, actually, in all honesty. I was trying to support the local shops. I've always done that. If I can buy something locally, I will rather than go to the, you know, the big supermarkets and the, the retail parks. What a dreadful expression that is. I was going to read some of these magazine things I've got here about uh, the old days, but I might come on to that in a minute. I remember as a kid buying fireworks from the Strand shops from the newsagent there. They sold fireworks. And I don't know whether there were sort of laws about how old the person had to be buying them, but I used to go in there eight years old. And I'd have my shilling piece and penny bangers, right? I'd say, can I have 12 penny bangers, please, <laughs> sir? <laughs> no, I didn't. And I'd just give them a shilling and they'd give me 12 bangers, penny bangers. No one ever asked how old I was. I was kind of eight years old <laughs> buying bangers. And you could buy rockets and Roman candles and bombs. <laughs> Goodness knows what, jumping jacks, sparklers. Sparklers were no good. They were for the babies. But of course, you could, you know, you could buy all these fireworks and that. And you could buy cigarettes. I, I remember going over the shops for my dad. I was, what, 10, 12 years old. 
Can I have uh, five Park Drive, please, mister? No, he didn't smoke Park Drive. What did he? I can't remember what he smoked. And I'd get served. They'd sell me cigarettes. Yeah, I'm kind of 10 years old. They sell me cigarettes. How things have changed. Good grief. Funnily enough, just found in this magazine, 1933, the landlord of the... Dolphin Pub, or the new Dolphin Pub, Dominion Road, Worthing, was uh, John Thomas Woolmore. The hostelry was described as very modern, astonishingly well-designed. How about that? Astonishingly well-designed. Today, it's Tesco's Express. <laughs> what a shame. I do remember that pub, the Dolphin. Didn't go in there a great deal because it was the other end of town from me, East Worthing. I was west, out the West Worthing way, Goring, Durrington. But as I said, uh, was it last week or on the midweek message? I can't remember about uh, all the pubs now have gone, which is a shame. I do remember going into town. Now, I've, I haven't mentioned the main shops in town. There was Isted's. I remember going there when I was about five or six years old. So that was the 50s, 56, 57. Isted's was a, I don't know what shop it was, but they had floorboards. And big sacks, you know, the old, was it Hessian or whatever, the old-fashioned sacks, full of grain with metal scoops in the top of each sack. So I don't know what that was. And it used to, I don't know, it used to smell of, uh, what did it smell of? Grain, I suppose. A lot of the shops had wooden floorboards back then. No floor covering, no, uh, well, lino in those days. I suppose it wore out. Woolworths, the huge shop Woolworths, that was all floorboards. And if anyone ever remembers going into Woolworths in the 50s and early 60s, all you could hear was the feet, customers' feet on floorboards. It, it sounded rather like horses stampeding. That's the only way I could describe it. But there were a load of shops in town. Again, no coffee shops, just the, you know, the main one or two coffee shops. Well, they weren't coffee shops. They were cafes or whatever they called them. But there were all the other shops, the wool shops, off-licenses, loads of pubs. In the centre of town, loads of pubs. They've all gone, of course. Various post offices. Apart from the main post office, there were post offices in town and letterboxes everywhere. I'm sure a lot of the letterboxes have gone. You could always find a letterbox almost at the end of every road. Wherever you lived, you just walked down the road to post a letter. These days, I think they've gone. I suppose, I don't know, perhaps people don't post that many letters anymore. I really don't know. There used to be quite a few ponds. There was Half Moon Lane Pond and Homefield Park, which is behind Worthing Hospital. There was a huge pond. Well, it was a lake. It wasn't a pond. It was a lake. I don't remember it. I think I remember someone saying that went in the 1930s. It was a huge lake. I've seen, as I say, some lovely photographs, women pushing prams around the pond and there were ducks. It was really nice. Why get rid of that? When I look at photographs, it's the same with any town in Britain, any town, you look at photographs way back when and you think, oh, look, that was lovely. Look at that. All that, that's gone. Oh, that park's gone there. That pond's gone. Oh, there was a lovely wooded area there. That's now a block of flats. It's such a shame. Well, I think it is anyway. I know people say, well, you can't live in the past. You don't want to do that. It's not, as I'm always saying, it's not living in the past, wanting to see a policeman go by on his bicycle and say, morning, everything all right? Yes, thanks. It's not living in the past, wanting a few more green spaces, parks, parkland, you know, we used to call them, what was it, recreation ground. You know, there's one at Palatine Road, recreation ground. They used to play cricket and stuff. In the village, you've got the village green. In towns, you had recreation grounds. And they'd play cricket and things like that, football. It was great. Palatine Road Park is still there. Uh, I hasten to add before we have any complaints. <laughs> no, not complaints. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is nice looking back, but it's also a little bit depressing <laughs> when you think of all the things that used to be there. I wish I'd kept things from my childhood, like scrapbooks. I used to cut out newspaper things and put them in the scrapbook. I don't know why I did that. I think it was just a, a kind of phase that we all went through. But I did have a scrapbook of matchbox covers. You know, matchboxes, you, you break the box up and just keep the cover. There was Swan, Bryant and May. They were the main matchbox manufacturers back then. I don't think people use matches now, do they? Most people smoked back then. Uh, if they had a gas cooker, you'd light it with matches. You'd light your fire, your coal fire with matches. Or if you had a gas poker, do you remember the gas poker for your fire? 
Basically, it was a metal rod with holes in it. You turn the gas on and set fire to it and then stuff it in the coal. <laughs> I remember we had one. I mean, it worked all right. I don't know how much gas it used. But, uh, you know, it was a good idea. Well, it wasn't a good idea. It was dangerous. You know, rubber hose pipe going to the gas tap near the fire. I, I don't know. It's all pretty dangerous. That's for the electrical side of things. Well, that was lethal, most of it. I also collected cigarette packets. You know, you cut out the front of it. Which, uh, what was it? Uh, senior Service, Park Drive, Capstan, Full Strength, Woodbine. All, all these cigarette packets. You cut the front out and glue them all into your, your scrapbook. It would be lovely to have that now. All my scrapbooks. I don't know, where do things go over the years? You know, as you enter adulthood and <laughs> go out to work and things, all this stuff gets lost. Well, mine did anyway. A lot of the kids at school had uh, scrapbooks. And what we'd do is write down at home, like I might have three spare senior service cigarette packets. Woodbine or whatever. What was this? Capstan. There were so many, weren't there? Because they were advertised on the telly. Do you remember the menthol cigarette adverts? Cool as a mountain stream. That was at Everest, wasn't it? Everest. And what was the other menthol one? They were, I tried those in my teens. They were disgusting uh, menthol cigarettes. But we'd go to school with our list and I'd say, right, I've got three Old Holborn whatever. I've got a couple of Park Drive to spare. And someone else would say, I've got a, a Piccadilly cigarette packet spare oh I'm after that so we'd do swaps next day we'd take in whatever and we'd swap over so we'd collect I must have had I don't know how many brands there were then or how many well they weren't I think they're all owned by the same tobacco company weren't they so I don't know how many types there were woodbine and all the rest of it but I had loads in this scrapbook of mine I just wish I'd kept that would have been fascinating to look through now as well as the matchbox covers and of course, the little match books, you know, do you remember the books, book of matches? Oh, we used to cut the front off those and stick them in the book as well. I bet in people's lofts all around the country, there are scrapbooks full of really interesting stuff. You'll have to all get up in the loft and have a look, see what you've got hidden away up there. I'm just looking through some of these old magazines again. 1922, Victor Cornwall of Pavilion Road, that's not far from where I live. He was fined five shillings by Worthing Magistrates look, for riding his bicycle along the pavement in Lansdowne Road. Good grief, stone the crows. You ride your bike on the pavement now, the cops drive past and totally ignore you. Five shillings. I remember my dad. He, uh, he had a bike when I was pretty young and uh, he didn't live far from work, so he'd use the bike to and from work. And he came back under the... There was a subway at Goring. In fact, it came out just near Limbrick Lane, as I was talking about earlier. And he, there was a sign, do not, you know, cycle through the subway. And it was dark one evening. He had lights on his bike and he cycled through the subway. And this copper got him and he got pinched. They used to call it pinched. You get nicked these days, don't you? But I remember him saying, oh, I got pinched by a copper for riding through the subway. I don't know what happened, whether he was just told off or fined or what, but... Uh, yeah, he got pinched for riding his bike through the subway. It went under the railway line and came out, which was then the end of the Strand. Because the Strand, the road uh, I was talking about earlier, where Strand Parade shops are, that just ended at a big field, 77 acres. And that's where they built Goring Green. Because I used to go over to the field on my bike and it was terrific. It was by the railway line and you could cycle basically from the end of the Strand right over to Goring Railway Station. So I remember all that. In fact, I could walk uh, from where I lived to Durrington Railway Station. It was all across fields. How about that? Fields all the way to the Strand where the shops were and then fields to the railway station. Now it's all flats. And <laughs> it's, I don't know. I wonder where all this concrete comes from. We've used so much concrete in the world. Well, just just in, a, in my country. Look at the concrete and the asphalt. Talking of which, pavements, sidewalks in America, the pavements here, they used to be paving slabs. What were they, like two foot square slabs? And they were laid on sand. I've watched them many times over the years laying them because it, it's really brilliant how they do it. They'll put the sand down, just scrape it level and plonk the paving slabs on top and they're perfectly level. But of course... After the years, as the years went by, they became uneven. Some would sink. 
you get edges sticking up. And they got to the state, well, like now, it's awful. The pavements are awful. And what they started doing is chucking down uh, tarmac or asphalt or whatever it's called. And it looks horrible. It really does look horrible because they're always digging up the pavement as well. Then they, they patch it up with more asphalt. You didn't have that in the old days, in the 50s. We had proper paving slabs. I do remember where my grandparents lived in Lansing. The paving slabs each side of the road really were bad. Some of them were almost at 45 degrees. And I remember my grandfather, I said, what's happened to the path? He said, that's where the tanks came along the road in the war, in the 40s. I don't know what tanks were doing going along his road in Lansing. Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps they're going down the beach to set up fortifications or whatever, I don't know. But he said that's what it was, the tanks, you know, with their huge metal caterpillar things had just gone along the one track on the pavement and totally wrecked it. That's why the, the slabs were kind of, some of them, not quite 45 degrees, but certainly, you know, very, you couldn't walk on it because I remember we had to walk on the road. Of course, the council fixed it all in the end, but uh, that was interesting. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> 1933. Goodness me, that's getting on for 100 years ago, isn't it? Not far off. Nearly 90 years ago, five people were injured when a tramo car... Now, you won't know what a tramo car is. That's T-A-R-M-O-C-A-R. There's one at Ambley Museum. Ambley Chalk Pits Museum. They've actually got a working tramo car. Basically, it's like a little bus. And uh, yeah, that's all. That's the best way to describe it. A tra tramo car. It's a little bus. I've been on the one at Ambley. It's great. But anyway, this tramo car collided with a lorry at the junction of Wallace Avenue and Lansdowne Road, and five people were injured. So that's not good, is it? What's this? 1922. Mrs. Alexander Gross, what a name, Gross, <laughs> that's Gross, uh, a celebrated traveller and writer, discovered a rich deposit of radium in Brazil. What's that got to do with Worthing? His brother, Mr. Crowley, oh, Mr. Crowley, that was the name of my boss in the radio and TV workshop. I, I think I've told you about Crowley before, haven't I? Anyway, um, a Worthing taxi driver, well known in the rank outside the town's railway station, during the Great War, Mr. Crowley was prisoner of war in Germany for three and a half years. What's the story about that? I don't, I've probably interrupted myself. That's why I don't understand what the story's about. Oh, it's just that he discovered a rich deposit of radium, radium in Brazil. Radium, is that what you put in the bath to relax? Oh, that's Radox, isn't it? Do you remember those old adverts? People don't have baths anymore. Have you got a bath? What else is in this magazine? Let's see what's here. Here we are, look, what's this? 1922. There were 304 allotments off South Farm Road, 42 off Forest Road, and 15 on the east side of Ham Road. Goodness me, that's a lot of... People had allotments, didn't they, back then? And I know people have allotments now, and apparently there's a huge waiting list, and they're horrendously expensive. But this was in the days of... Uh, near in fact, the Strand shops, uh, I can't remember, end of Canterbury Road, there's a massive allotment field. It's all allotments. Uh, again, for those of you abroad, an allotment is where you, you rent a sort of patch of land and you can put a shed on it or a greenhouse or whatever, and you grow vegetables or fruit, raspberries, blackcurrants, potatoes, carrots, grow all your stuff. If you haven't got a big enough garden, you rent this little patch of land from the local council and then you can grow all your stuff on it. And they're really good. They're really worth doing, especially uh, we've got in the news, haven't we? All the price of food is going up. I, I reckon allotment rents will go up now. <laughs> more and more people. Well, there's a waiting list. I think there's always been a waiting list for allotments. In fact, I was saying to Trish the other day, shall we get rid of the big shed at the end of the garden? First of all, I wanted to put a pond there. We've got a pond, but I want a big pond. So I can have pike in it. No, not pike. <laughs> Eat your arm off. I'll just get that bit of weed out of the pond. Whew. What was that? Oh, my hand's gone. As That's Mr. Pike. No, and then I said, how about you know, growing some vegetable, runner beans, stuff like that, like we used to before we had all these sheds and stuff everywhere. But uh, no, she wants to turn the big shed into her gym. She's got a, an exercise bike and a, a machine and various gym stuff. 
So we're in the process of clearing all my old radio stuff out and then we're going to turn it into her gym. And I suppose I ought to use it to lose a bit of weight. Right, in 1781, that's a while ago, in Worthing, there was a cockfighting pit behind the gun pub at Finden, where the village school now stands. Goodness me. Oh, house prices. I do like looking at house prices. 1922, a 10-room house, Marine Parade, 10 rooms. They're big houses down there. £2,000 in 1922, £2,000. That was a lot of money, wasn't it? Back then, that was a lot of money. I don't know how people afforded houses like that. At that £2,000 in 1922, that was a fortune. I suppose there's, there's always been rich people. 1922, Wilfred Maddock of Durrington Laundry, Elm Grove. There, in fact, that building is still standing. The laundry place. He was fined 10 shillings by Worthing magistrates for leaving the engine of his van idling in Rowlands Road while making a delivery. 1922. Yes, I mean, even today you're not allowed to get out of your car, are you, and leave the engine running. So that's interesting. 10 shillings. That was quite a lot in 1922. Well, that'll teach him, would it? <laughs> for leaving his engine running. That'll teach him. I'll end this soon because you'll be dozing off. Here, another one, 1922. John Mahoney of, where's this? Walmer Tree Farm, Goring. Well, there was a farm at Goring. Well, I do remember one farm opposite Limbrick Shops. I wonder whether that was it. Anyway, he was fined £5 for working a lame horse, pulling a cart in Lansdowne Road. Yeah, working a lame horse. That's not, that's not nice at all, is it? 1954, I was three years old. More than 100 Swedish students staying in the town attended a farewell party at St Matthew's Church Hall, Tarring Road. 54, yeah, I was three then. 1961, Mr and Mrs C.F. Turner, near Winton Lodge Kennels. Well, it doesn't say anything about it. Oh, they ran Winton Lodge Kennels. Well, what's the point of saying they ran that? You might as well say, well, Mr Fred Bloggs of Smith's Lane ran a fish and chip shop. That's not news, is it? <laughs> I don't know. What are my notes here? I was going to talk about Susan, if you're still listening. After all, where are we? What's the time? Oh, 52 minutes I've been rambling. An unreliable narrator, Susan. I love that. I love it. Basically, Susan emailed me and she said, all these stories that I've tell about hundreds of millions of girlfriends I had in the old days. Well, I didn't. I only had about 10. Well, a few more than 10. And all these things that happened, she said, uh, it reminded her of an unreliable narrator. Look that up. Ask, in fact, I did that. I asked Alexa. You're, it's all taken off now. How can I help you? Alexa, I shouted out. No, sorry. Ask Alexa what an unreliable uh, relate, uh, narrator is. I can't even say it now. Narrator. It's quite interesting. It's basically, there are several types of unreliable narrators. There's a barefaced liar like me that makes up a load of stories about the past that are totally untrue. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, all my stories are true. Everything I've told you. In fact, I have some that I can't tell you. Some about girlfriends I had. Only one or two girlfriends from the old days that I can't tell you about. Because, <laughs> well, various reasons. But um, all the things I tell you are true. I might embellish a little bit here and there just to make it more interesting. Um, I, I mean, I don't lie. Uh, I sound like Boris now, don't I, Boris Johnson? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I've been uh, getting lessons from Boris. Oh, by the way, when we went on the boat at the wetlands place in Arundel, I said to the chap, has Chris Packham been here? Now, Chris Packham, you've probably seen him on the television. He does the... Uh, the wildlife programs and all that sort of thing. And he said, yes, he is our president, president of the, the wildlife place. And he said, last, I think, November, he said, we had Boris Johnson here and he was actually in my boat with Carrie and the children. So <laughs> so there we are. That's interesting. I've actually sat in the same boat. Well, it probably wasn't that boat that Boris Johnson did. Um, anyway, talking of lying, <laughs> no, there's no, no connection with Boris, you understand. No, this um, unreliable narrator thing, it's quite interesting. I think the term was coined in 1960s by someone, but it goes back, I don't know, 100 years or more. 
And it, there are various types. There's a type of chap that, or, or lady, of course, that tells a story and is an unreliable narrator because they don't have all the facts. So they're not lying or twisting it. They just don't have all the facts. Then there's a barefaced liar, as I said. And then there's a, another one, what was it, where it's, uh, I think it's like Chinese whispers, tells the story, but it's got mixed up and twisted. And so it's not exactly factual. But going back to my telling stories from the past, obviously when I say, for example, that oh, this friend of mine said blah, 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 I can't always remember verbatim. I can't remember word for word the exact conversation, so I'll just give you an, an idea of what was said. But it's all true. Mrs Fortescue in the, <laughs> in the village, goodness me, I was on the parish council, that's all true. The vicar. Yes, that's, uh, I remember the vicar, that's all true. So, yeah, that was interesting though, Susan. Thanks for bringing that up. An unreliable narrator, I love it. I just love the term, it's fantastic. In fact, it just reminded me of a friend of mine back in the, now this was back in the 60s and 70s, Dave. I, yes, Dave. I wonder if he's listening. You'll remember this, Dave. He was an unreliable narrator. I remember he came into the workshop once and he said he had a Ford Anglia van. That was the firm's van, a Ford Anglia van. And he'd been out on the rounds mending televisions. And he got back and he said, you know that roundabout up the road? And we're all saying, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, I just took that roundabout in the van at 60 miles an hour. Well, that's not true. A Ford Anglia van at 60 miles an hour around that roundabout would roll over. It would not stay on the road. But he was always doing that. He was just, he wasn't an unreliable narrator. He was just a barefaced liar. Sorry, Dave, if you're listening, but that's the truth. He was always making up, well, not making up. He probably went round the roundabout a little bit fast. So he said 60 miles an hour which just made the thing totally unbelievable. He was always coming out with stories. He said once in, the, in this van, he said he was doing 80, 80 miles an hour along whatever road. And the cops stopped him. They didn't fine him or anything because they were so in awe at his amazing driving skills. Well, first of all, I doubt that a Ford Anglia van would do 80 miles an hour back there. I mean, I remember those vans. You wouldn't get 80 out of it unless you'd downhill with the wind behind you. Secondly, a cop wouldn't stop you just to tell you what a fantastic driver you had. <laughs> oh dear. Whatever he said, it wasn't a pinch of salt. It was a barrel of salt you had to take to listen to his stories. But he was, he was an entertainer. I suppose that's it. He was entertaining. He was amusing. You know, every, every time he came, he'd say, oh, look, here comes Dave. Here we go. Wait for it. Wait for it. And he'd say, you never guess what just happened. And he'd make up, <laughs> well, he'd lie, basically. He'd lie. I don't know. Unreliable relator. Uh, rel I keep saying relator, narrator. What, shall we end it here? One quick look through the magazine. Hang on. 1929. The landlord of the Volunteer Inn in Market Street. Do you know Market Street? Let alone the pub. I don't remember the pub. Market Street's gone. They pulled that down to build something. I forget. what Was it the multi-story car park? I can't remember. Anyway. The landlord of the volunteer inn in Market Street appeared before Worthing magistrates charged with trying to take his own life, oh, by asphyxiating himself with coal gas. Police said the defendant was suffering from financial worries which had affected his sleep and mental health. Of course, that was, I don't know, it's not now, but that was illegal, wasn't it? Suicide, was it? Oh, well, that's not a very nice thing to end on. Hang on, let's find something else. 1896, that's a while ago, a beggar named Frederick Mitchell was arrested for begging in Milton Street just hours after being released from Lewis Prison where he had served a sentence for begging. The defendant, who was found to be in possession of a good, it says it, a good mutton chop, was sent back to Lewis for 10 days. In possession of a good mutton chop. There we are. So he went back to Lewis Prison. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I have to do, if you want me to, that is, another looking back at the at my hometown, Worthing, West Sussex. I've got loads of magazines here. I could go back and tell you a bit more about, I mean, we're coming up to the hour now. Well, it is the hour. But I've got a load more stuff I could tell you about the town. Uh, I remember I, when I first, what was I? I got a scooter. I was 16. I got a scooter, you know, a Lambretta. 
I went to this garage, gallon of petrol was seven and sixpence and a, a squirt of oil because it was two stroke. That was the Limbrick shop's place and that garage is still there. I don't think they sell petrol anymore. They just sell cars, a bit like the pubs. They don't just sell beer, they sell food. The pubs, I know what'll happen. The pubs won't sell beer anymore. They'll just be restaurants with no beer in them. <laughs> Pub with no beer. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Tell me about your hometown if you've got any interesting stories to relate. And I don't want any false, no, not false. And I don't want any dodgy narrators, any unreliable, barefaced, lying narrators. <laughs> Dear. There we are. Happy days. Take care. See you Wednesday for the midweek message. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye for now.